Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of CT of the Acute Abdomen, GI Applications. And let's speak about a few of the things we left off with last time. Well, we started speaking about Meckel's diverticulum, noting that it is one of the more difficult diagnoses. It is one of the causes of GI bleeding, and technetium protechnicate scans can be very helpful. Satomi Kawamoto wrote an article on Meckel's diverticulum. It's a good article to read but you can see how difficult a diagnosis it can be. And so I just wanted to emphasize that point. At the break, a few people asked me the question, remotely that is, about Meckel's, but it is a tough diagnosis to make. Uh, often it kind of looks like a diverticulum, which is what it is, but instead of coming off the cecum, it comes off the ileum. There aren't that many things. There is ileal diverticular disease, but there are multiple tiny outpouchings. And often, as in the case I showed you, it was in this case, high density, which can be helpful. So let's look at a few more things in the acute abdomen. And the classic, of course, is ischemic bowel, whether it's arterial or venous. Typically, it's arterial with occlusion secondary to atherosclerosis. But we do see a reasonable number of cases where occlusion is acute due to embolic phenomena. And of course, it can also be due to trauma. Venous phase imaging, venous thrombosis, portal hypertension, or estrogen use are all possibilities, but of course, that is going to be less frequent. So, um, you know, we're typically going to stick with arterial disease. Now, with ischemic bowel disease, what are we looking at? The earliest findings might be a little bit of bowel dilatation. That's the earliest finding. Then bowel wall thickening, dilated mesenteric veins. You may see edema in the mesenteric fat. Now, if things progress, you see intramural air, and eventually mesenteric or portal venous air. Now, of course, the latter two have a high morbidity and high mortality. So it's really trying to pick things up earlier. That's the challenge. Of course, luminal dilatation is so generic, it may not be very helpful. So things I do on all CT scans, I always look at the sagittal views, and this gives me a good look at the SMA and celiac axis. So in this case, we see plaque in the aorta, we calcified and not calcified. We see plaque at the origin of the celiac, but the celiac is patent. We see plaque in the SMA, and there's areas of narrowing, but the vessel is still present. And then, of course, an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Patients who have extensive disease of the aorta, it's not uncommon particularly to have disease of the origin of vessels like SMA, celiac, and renal arteries. But again, plaque is seen here. And here's just a nice example. But the key thing, of course, the vessel is patent. We'll track the vessel, particularly the SMA, throughout its course. On the other hand, this is a beautiful example of this thrombus. I gave you the perfect slice where thrombus is from the aorta all the way extending into the SMA, a classic occlusion. This will lead to ischemia. If it's diagnosed early, the patient could have the thrombus removed and potentially not need bowel resection. You can see at this point, the bowel looks pretty good, but the patient had abdominal pain. And fortunately, we're able to diagnose the clot. Here's a good example also to remind you why we always want to give IV contrast. Imagine doing the study without IV. You would have seen no dilated bowel, no thickened bowel. You would have not recognized the thrombus in the vessel. And this patient eventually could have developed ischemic bowel with infarction and could have died. Again, nicely showing you also that in this case, the thrombus is in the SMA proximally, extending into the aorta, but that distally the SMA looks good.
Another finding with ischemic bowel where there's no occlusion is a case like this where the SMA and celiac are both very small. That's a very good example of low flow state and hypoperfusion. When I see this, I'll describe it as small vessels. Branching usually of the vessels is very tiny as well. And I'll worry about the patient having a low flow state and this can lead to bowel ischemia. Again, nicely on the sagittal views, the SMA and celiac are patent but it's vessel caliber that is everything. Another example, patient here, this looks like a non-contrast scan, but there is contrast. It's just the bowel is not enhancing. When you look at the bowel on the coronal views, you can actually see what looks like possibly early pneumatosis. You can see the contrast, but the bowel is just not enhancing. There's also a haziness in the patient's mesentery. Now, when you look at the sagittal views, you very nicely see the occlusion, several centimeters from the origin of the patient's SMA. And in this case, you could see that there's some plaque in the aorta, but not a lot of plaque. This patient had that thrombus removed. The patient did not need bowel resection. And here's a week later where you can see the SMA is nicely patent. Another example, abdominal pain, roulette ischemic bowel, Again, the proximal SMA looks great, about 4 cm in. You see occlusion, you see the thickened bowel. This patient was extremely lucky. They went in, removed the clot. They looked at the bowel after they removed the clot. It began to get pink and they did not need to do bowel resection. So if you can diagnose the thrombus early, the patient may not need bowel resection and the morbidity and mortality can indeed be very, very low. It's a great example, you can see SMA, celiac, IMA, how the vessel can look great proximally and then look poor or not seen at all distally. And amongst the mistakes I do see is when people look very quickly, they look at the vessel, it looks good proximally, and then they don't really follow it down. And that's where the mistake can be made. So in this case, the patient's uh, SMA looks great, but the, and the bowel looks great. But you scan down and you say, what's going on right here as I circled it? That really is the SMA more distally. In this case, this was missed. This patient actually died from infarcted bowel eventually. But what happened was no one looked at a sagittal view because I know that or I assume that because they never created any. And then you see the SMA and there's the occlusion. And there it is, the vessel looks great, but there's the obvious occlusion. But if you didn't follow the vessel all the way down, it wasn't the world's greatest injection perhaps and everything else, but it's obvious occlusion. And this patient, uh, the diagnosis was not made in a timely fashion and could have surely been made in a timely fashion in this case. Now, here's another nice example. We mentioned on the venous side, patient has ischemic bowel, but now you're not seeing SMA involvement but what you're seeing is the occlusion of the portal vein and occlusion of the SMV. There's some ascites present, thickening of bowel, a misty mesentery, thickening. Again, this is ischemic bowel secondary to clot in the portal vein and SMV. Beautiful example on the 3D volume rendered views of the thickening of the small bowel, the dilatation, the poor enhancement, the prominent vasorecta, and this misty mesentery basically around the bowel itself. And here's a few more images, nicely showing that you can see some mucosal enhancement, mucosal enhancement, but again, you see the edematous changes in the bowel, the poor perfusion, the small vessels. This is bowel ischemia in the making. 
Again, you need to be aggressive in making or at least suggesting the call. Look at the lactic acid levels. It's not always elevated, but usually it is. And in this case, you could think of other possibilities, perhaps why the patient has the bowel looking so bad. But then you look at the right colon and you see pneumatosis. There's also some venous air. This is ischemic bowel on the way to being infarcted bowel. So just very important. You have to look at the vessels. This is why well-timed arterial and venous phase imaging is important. Arterial phase looking at the celiac and SMA and their branches, and venous looking at the portal vein and SMV and their branches, and not to overcall or undercall the presence of thrombosis. Here it's nicely shown with cinematic. There's the thrombus in the SMV portal vein junction. Here's the prominent vasorecta and the markedly inflamed bowel, very nicely seen. So again, an important diagnosis and one that you should be able to make, but it may be one that's unexpected. So the importance of looking routinely at axial and multiplanar, both the coronal as well as the sagittal views. And this is also a nice example showing you the clot in the vessel right there, particularly well seen, and the ischemic changes in bowel. I think one of the things we keep talking about is texture mapping, but looking also at the ability for cinematic rendering to show you changes in enhancement, changes in flow, which can be helpful and may be a good way of making diagnosis. Now another case, patient has abdominal pain, there's really prominent vasorecta in the terminal ilium and right colon, there's thickening of all of the bowel loops. So it's really extensive bowel involvement what am I thinking of Crohn's? It looks a bit extensive. The comb sign is good for Crohn's. Could I be thinking vasculitis? Could I be thinking infectious colitis? What has given me such impressive, prominent vasorecta, thick and small bowel, edematous changes, ascites? What am I dealing with? And the bowel is just not focally, it's diffusely dilated. What kind of process should we be thinking about? And again, just look at the prominence of the vasorecta. We typically call this a comb sign, but it's not the only cause in, is Crohn's disease. There are many causes from ischemia to infectious to other inflammatory conditions. Take a look at that again. And this was a great case because this was enteritis, yes, but it was due to chemotherapy. Now we see lots of cancer patients and a lot of the new therapies are toxic. Now it's interestingly, to note that patient's symptoms do not match the CT all the time. Sometimes we see really bad looking CT and the patient's asymptomatic. Every once in a while the patient's really sick and the CT is not that impressive. But chemotherapy, there's a range of chemotherapies and there's a range of combination chemotherapies used and putting them both together can be problematic. And again, another case, patient with a history of Whipple's cancer, Whipple's disease, rather, pancreatic cancer with a Whipple's procedure. You see the thickened bowel. Look how impressive the terminal ilium looks. Look how impressive it looks in the coronal view. And this was, again, you, you, patients with abdominal pain and fever and all sorts of problems. Having a Whipple's, you look for an abscess. You look for tumor recurrence. You see enteritis. You begin to think why. Think about chemotherapy. Very important. Radiation therapy, chemotherapy, and surely combinations of radiation and chemo. Radiation therapy, it's always gonna be within the port, so you have some margins and location matching the clinical history. Chemotherapy, it's more common in the ileum, but it can be in any part of bowel and can be very extensive. Here's an example, enteritis of chemotherapy 
in a patient with pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Now, this article by Morani is worth reading because we all do lots of cancer patients, and typically you're looking for tumor recurrence. You're not thinking just about complications from the patient's therapy, and that's something you need to think about because the patient's symptoms may not be related to recurrence. They may be related to the patient's uh, therapy. We know that from looking at the liver, for example, where patients sometimes look like they have liver mets and they simply have liver abscesses. So another example, abdominal pain, thickened distal ileum. You can see the thickened bowel loops. There's some haziness in the mesentery. What exactly is going on? Another set of images, a bit lower down, you can see very long segments of bowel, more than you would see with ischemia typically, more than you're going to see with Crohn's disease, just in case they came to mind. Very long segments of bowel are very good for chemotherapy. Here it is. Look how long the ileal involvement is in this case. Again, uh, terminal ileum, it seems to be more common with enteritis from chemotherapy than more proximal bowel. Just look at those images, mucosal enhancement, submucosal edema, thickening of the wall, and the uh, pericolonic uh, induration of the soft tissues and prominent vasorecta. Here it is again, uh, showing all that on cone down targeted views very nicely. Here it is again, showing you the full extent. This is looking at the patient's um, enter enteritis with cinematic rendering, and that was graft-versus-host disease. So you could see history becomes so important. Remember the first slide I mentioned history, but that's a key thing. Patients who have pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, think about chemotherapy. Patients with uh, myeloma, think about chemotherapy, but also did the patient have a bone marrow transplant? Then you think about graft-versus-host disease. Graft-versus-host disease always gave you the worst-looking bowel. Now, classic chemotherapy targets rapidly proliferating cells. Now, with molecular-targeted therapy, it targets specific key cell membrane and intracellular molecules. Radiologists may more easily recognize the manifestations of chemotherapy toxicities by understanding the mechanism of action of these chemotherapeutic drugs. The radiologist should be aware that toxicities can be asymptomatic and the radiologists are instrumental in reporting early manifestations of toxicity to the referring physician. And that's the point. The CT may be very positive and yet the patient may not be very symptomatic. Now, speaking of medication, what about this case? Really impressive proximal small, small bowel is markedly edematous around the bowel, the bowel wall thickening, the mucosa. This is really extensive disease and indeed very impressive. Look at those loops. I mean, if I told you bone marrow transplant, you say graft versus host. If I told you combination chemotherapy, you say combination chemotherapy. But this patient didn't have chemotherapy. This patient did not have a bone marrow transplant. And the patient was doing okay till a couple days ago when it was noted they had hypertension and were put on an ACE inhibitor. And this is thick and small bowel due to ACE inhibitors. Now, ACE inhibitors, another example here, can present with an acute abdomen, really severe edema of bowel. It's really angioedema of bowel. It's really like the bowel is having an allergic reaction. Long segments of bowel, markedly thickened, fluid around the bowel. Here it's nicely shown with the patient's cinematic rendering. ACE inhibitor angioedema. 
So typical history is the patients are given a new medication. Angioedema is a clinical manifestation of inflammation-mediated edema in the dermis or subcutaneous tissues. They can involve the skin, respiratory, or GI tract. The good news is if you make the diagnosis, the patient gets supportive care, is taken off the drug, and the patient does fine within 24 to 36 hours. What you see in this case there is decreased attenuation in the submucosa layer, attenuation higher in the mucosa and serosa. You get that mural stratification uh, with uh, ACE inhibitors. Dejunum is more commonly involved. Ascites, edema, and fluid retention are frequent as well in these cases. And the important thing I mentioned a moment ago, management of patients with small bowel angioedema from ACE inhibitors is supported supportive. If you stop the drug 24 to 48 hours, the patient will do well. So again, a very important diagnosis and something we don't think about. So now we can think about drugs, chemotherapy, oncology patient, graft versus host, oncology patient, ACE inhibitors, patient who recently was diagnosed with hypertension or they changed their medication because of hypertension, so in the clinical history, the patient recently went to the doctor and was given a new drug, and voila, you have your answer. So concluding, CT is the study of choice in the acute abdomen, and there's like a thousand different diseases I didn't go through with you. I showed you that when used correctly, it plays a major role in triage. We can discover things we don't think about from chemotherapy to drug-related reactions, and of course, challenges relate when you don't have the best quality study, particularly with poor IV or no IV at all, it becomes really problematic. But I think hopefully I showed you that you got to really be thinking about the various possibilities because you don't want to just simply dictate a report like many people do, the bowel is abnormal, advise clinical correlation. We don't want that. And also going back to one of the first slides we had, given current concerns about increased healthcare costs, and radiation exposure related to the use of CT. It is critical for physicians to be able to weigh the risk of radiation to patients and the cost of the examination against the benefits. And when you do a cost analysis, you look at the benefit analysis, and you look at many of the papers I quoted for this talk, and you look at some of the things I showed you, you can see that without CT, we would be lost. In none of the cases that people consider uh, enteritis from chemotherapy, they did not consider graft-versus-host disease. They did not consider angioedema from an ACE inhibitor. But CT allowed us to make the diagnosis. And in making the diagnosis, we're able to treat the patient. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.